This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Our guest today is one of the most sought-after yoga teachers today, Yogi Aaron. Known for his unorthodox perspectives on stretching and flexibility, his teachings aim to help people live a pain-free life so they can feel youthful into their golden years. And I'm Mary Elkins. Yogi Aaron is the creator of a revolutionary approach to yoga called Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation, or Ayama. He's the creator of an online platform, the Yogi Club, the host of the Yogi Podcast, Stop Stretching, author of Autobiography of a Naked Yogi and the forthcoming book, Stop Stretching, A New Yogic Approach to Master Your Body and Live Pain-Free. Plus, he's the co-owner of the Blue Osa Yoga Retreat in Costa Rica, where he leads yoga teacher training programs of students across the globe. Welcome, Yogi Aaron. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ted for having me to late bloomers, but I, f- I feel like we're just early bloomers and we need to get our cocktails out during this conversation. Well, <laughs> well actually, I say, we are boomers, late boomers <laughs> and booming. We're not, we're not blooming late, we're booming late. Oh, so booming. Boom, 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 like a drum. Yeah, we're late boomers. <laughs> we hope we've been blooming for it. our whole lives. I love it. Okay. We... We wanted to have you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to find yourself on the path you're on today. Oh, Lord. Um, Well, (laughs) the short, short story is, and and I'm happy to talk about any of it, but the short story is that I um, started yoga when I was 18. I injured myself really badly and continued to injure myself. And I used, when I talk about yoga, I'm really talking about like the stretching part of yoga. So um, sometimes I use those words interchangeably uh, for my, to depict my earlier years. Uh, So as I injured myself, I used the stretching to try to heal myself and, but I kept getting injured. And one of the interesting things that happened was I started to develop this sort of identity, if you will, like I am a person that has a bad back. And I I developed that like at the age of 20, by the time I was like 29, 30, I was already starting to have these kind of like thoughts. And so I would tell yoga teachers this, and they always said that, well, the solution is just to stretch more. You've got to open your back. You've got to open your hamstrings. And so I kept doing that and jump ahead I ended up in a surgeon's office by the age of 45, wanting to do a spinal fusion in my lower back. And, um, and you know, one of my best friends who's really super healthy, strong fitness background, it, he had a spinal fusion. Um, it was a very complicated situation. He exhausted all possibilities at that moment. And it took him a year and a half to heal. So it's a major surgery to get a spinal fusion. It's not like, you know, you know, a day trip. And after that, I just made the decision to really do two things kind of simultaneously. One, try to increase my understanding of the human body, of of why I was in so much pain, because I was doing everything right. Um, and then that also kind of led me into studying muscle activation and understanding why the muscular system doesn't work and, and how to get it working properly. So I kind of took that knowledge and brought it into creating a yama. Hmm. Ah, 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. there. And actually, I was about to ask you what your personal experience was with chronic pain. And yeah. I'm, but I'm curious how you healed from it. What, how, what did you do? Um, I would say that I, I mean, part of the problem with my chronic pain was that I didn't have a muscular system that was working properly. And mm. there was a lot of indicators looking back now, I can tell you exactly what the indicators were, but I just didn't know. And, and here's like, this is kind of why I'm on this stop stretching bandwagon is because a lot of solutions that these professionals, and I'm lumping a lot of people into this professional category, including doctors, um, that their solution is to stretch and stretching is not, is, is the absolute opposite of, of what we want to do. What we should be doing is use techniques to improve muscle function. So to answer your question more directly, that's what I did. Um, like in my lower back, for example, like none of my back muscles were working properly. And so muscles have two jobs. They hold bones in place and they move, they move bones. So, you know, if you're, if, if you get up from the chair that you're standing on or sitting on, the muscles have to contract in order for you to be able to stand up. And so if they don't do that properly, it puts stress on the other parts of the body. So I basically just started studying like different activations for muscles and started getting my body working uh, properly. I mean, that's, again, that's a short answer, but it was a, like a, a good four-year journey. <laughs> Ooh, so you were in pain for had- four years. Well, I would say that once I, I left the doctor's office and, um, and then went out and started like looking for solutions, I started to actually recover very quickly. One of, one of my friends is what we call a MAT therapist, a muscle activation technique therapist. And you guys would love this. He lives in LA. He's based in LA. And he's okay. one of the most incredible healers I've ever met in my life. Um, but he was, he, he's someone that's got like a million certificates underneath his name, including um, doctor of chiropractic. Uh, medicine, um, to name a few, but but one of them is he's an MAT therapist, muscle activation technique therapist, and so I went to actually go see him after I had this stint in the doctor's office. Do you and, feel comfortable give, giving out his name? Oh, sure. I I, lo- I always give out his name, Eric Steibel. I believe it's S T E I B E L. And, um, and I, I'm happy to send you the information. He, he's also listed in my book um, because he's really the person that started seeding this kind of like new paradigm shift um, with me. But one of the things that he did was he got a group of muscles working properly. And, and then he did this very, 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 very passive, gentle stretch. And so he tested that group of muscles. It was strong. He did this passive stretch and he came back like that next moment and tested and it was weak and my eyeballs popped out of my head and I realized like, oh my God, no wonder I'm so messed up. (laughs) So after I spent some time with him, it didn't take me four years to recover. I would say that I'm, I'm always recovering because there's some inherent weaknesses there that I don't know, you know, they are getting stronger, but one of the reasons why we we have muscular weakness is because of stress, <laughs> trauma, uh-huh. <laughs> and overuse. And there's no one, you know, listening to this podcast who isn't dealing with stress or trauma and or overusing their body. I mean, you know, we all do it. If you work, if you sit for eight hours a day and work at a computer, you're abusing your body. Um, end of story. So. So anyways, but then I, he gave me some physical therapy to start doing, um, which involved a lot of muscle activation postures. Um, and then I started to actually study muscle activation technique, which was to, um, created by a man named Greg Roscoff out of Denver, Colorado. And Greg has dedicated his life to um, understanding 
this kind of like neuromuscular connection between the brain and the muscles, how that connection becomes stronger and what weakens that connection and then how to repair that connection. Um, so I actually went to study, uh, get my own muscle activation technique certification, which is a long certification. There's currently three levels. I've done level one, I'm studying level two, but it inspired me so much as I was doing it because as, as I kind of got into this, I realized, oh my God, yoga teachers know nothing about the body. They make up a lot of crap <laughs> and, and there's a lot of pseudoscience. And so then the question was, well, how do I start to bridge this and bring this into the yoga world and start making it applicable for yoga people? I love that. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to create your yoga approach, which is applied yoga anatomy plus muscle activation or ayama. <laughs> Thank you. Did I By say the way, that okay? <laughs> the, I, you said it perfectly. Ayama, um, just out of, as a side note, ayama, I didn't realize it at the time because I came up with applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation. And then someone on my marketing team came to me one day and said, Ayama. And I said, what is Ayama? <laughs> so, and she said, it's your applied yoga anatomy, muscle activation. And I was like, oh my God, that is Ayama. Or it's that furry animal that you yeah. say it that way. In Spanish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but what I was going to say was that Ayama in Sanskrit it kind of means two things. At the surface, it means freedom or, or yeah, liberation, to be liberated. But its true meaning means unrestrained power. Ooh, so that's, that's really wonderful. Means, yeah, it was kind of like when I started looking at it um, and the root word of it, I really was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Um, so as I was saying, like I, I studied muscle activation technique. And one of the things I quickly realized about muscle activation technique world was that there was nobody in that world really doing yoga. There was nobody teaching yoga and, and having that and then merging the two. Cause I tried to, I like, I was like, Oh my God, I need to find other yoga teachers. And, and then that kind of made me realize, okay, I need to create something <laughs> and figure uh -huh. out how to bring this into the yoga world, um, into my yoga classes. And when I started up, my intention was never to go big with this. My intention was just to teach my own students. And so I created this systemology, Ayama, Applied Yoga Anatomy and Muscle Activation, for really my own students. And in my yoga immersions, as I started teaching them this methodology, which is, by the way, very simple. It's not a complex uh, methodology. I think the complex part of it is just understanding the body a little bit better where a lot of yoga people uh -huh. kind of skirt over it. But what I started to notice was within six to 10 days of my yoga immersions, everybody became pain-free. Like almost, I would say 90% of yoga people coming into my yoga immersions are dealing with like aches or pains chronic pain, chronic injuries. And somewhere between day six and day 10, they no longer have pain in their body. And it was kind of like realizing that and going, okay, I need to start talking about this more. <laughs> Not just no in my yeah. own like, circle. It's, so it's that's miraculous. Like, yeah. Yeah. It is miraculous. Right. Well, I, I was about to ask you how Ayama helps people eliminate their pain. Can you elaborate further? And also, do you have a story about someone whose pain disappeared that you worked with? I, well, me. <laughs> I, am, I have lots of stories. Um, but uh, I actually have a story just literally the other day as this gentleman I was working on. But why it eliminates pain, first of all, is pain is always the result of inflammation. So there's inflammation in the body and we feel pain. Chronic pain, you could surmise that you have an inflammatory response going on that either the only thing that's going to cure it is medical intervention or rest. So sometimes you, you get chronic pain. In my case, I had chronic pain that was like intense, which is why I ended up in the orthopedic 
surgeon's office. So, but why is that inflammation there? Well, that inflammation there, as I said earlier, is due to stress, trauma, and overuse in a certain joint. Um, and at that joint where that access, there is um, just a lot of overuse and these muscles that are supposed to be doing their job aren't doing their job. So if we look at the lower back, for example, you have these muscles that are around the spine and they're holding the vertebrae in place. If they're not holding the vertebrae in place, the vertebrae are just literally hanging out, if you will. One of the terms, by the way, that yoga people love to use, and you see it in the yoga, in the fitness world as well now a little bit, is opening your hips. And, you know, you think about what I just said, you know, what does opening your hips mean? Well, if you think about it biomechanically, it means dislocating your hips, which although, you know, it's been a little glib to say that yoga people are walking around dislocated hips, they're definitely walking around with unstable hips. Their hips are not stabilized. And because of that, you, you talk to most yoga people, they all have pain in their hips radiating either down their legs or up into their lower back. And that's because the muscles aren't holding those joints in place. If we get the muscles to start doing their job, and and remember, doing their job means that they have to shorten, not lengthen. A muscle's job is to shorten, not lengthen. That's a big misconception. Like people are saying, you have to lengthen your muscles. No, the muscle actually has to shorten in order to do its job. So... Once, once wow. we get that happening, like, guess what? Joint is stabilized and the, and the inflammatory response stops. And depending on how intense or how chronic that inflammatory response is, sometimes it can stop on a dime. I had this gentleman um, I was working with last week who came in, I think he was around 60 years old, and him and his wife were moving to Costa Rica, and he found out about me and booked a, booked a time with me. And I spent about an hour and a half with him and he came in and he had very intense lower back pain, very similar to me. Um, And what in his initial email to me was, he said, I'm in so much pain. I can't deal with it anymore. I'm praying to God you can help me. Um, And that's one of the things that really motivates me. Like I, I, it breaks my heart to see people in pain. Um, Cause when people are in pain, they're not living their best life, you know, whatever that means for them. So anyways, I got, got him in. And when he stood up, I got, I said, okay, go into a little bit of a back bend, not nothing dramatic, just, you know, go back a bit, come forward. He says, you know what? I have no more pain. Like it's completely gone. And then he messaged me actually three days later and I gave him a, a few exercises to do. He says, I'm still like, it's actually gotten better since I've seen you. So it, this stuff works really um, powerfully. Uh, we just need to make sure or give the body a chance to reconnect to its muscular system and make sure that those muscles can do their job properly. Oh, I love Thank that you. story. Uh, what would you say makes your approach to yoga so unique in comparison to other styles out there today? I mean, you've touched on that, but I think but do you feel it's you're so completely unique from all the other teaching or I do actually. I mean, I've had some people challenge me on this, but um, so first and foremost, I'm telling people not to stretch. And, uh, and for yoga people and especially yoga teachers, it's a very threatening idea. It's kind of interesting to me because if you go into a yoga class, a typical yoga class, the teacher will stand in front of the room or sit in front of the room and say, okay, guys, this is not about stretching. You know, it's about feeling your body. Okay. Let's do a forward fold. And then they'll bring their forehead, you know, to their feet. And so it's sending out a very um, mixed signal, you know, it, and, I, and, and, you know, to be a little bit, you know, PC here, it's sending out a very non-inclusive mixed signal because nobody else in the room can probably do that. And then people start to develop this kind of like idea in their head, like, oh, in order for me to do yoga, I have to be able to you know, get my hands to my feet or my hands on the floor in a forward fold or put my foot behind my head because every time I turn on Instagram, that's what I see. 
So my first rule is stop stretching. I do not teach stretching in any of my classes anymore. Um, and the I think that I'm very unique that I really, I hold, I personally, this is me personally, I really hold the teachings of yoga very sacred. And that always is communicated as I'm teaching my classes, as I'm teaching somebody yoga it's like, what is the point of, of us doing this? Because you can only do a pose so many times. You can only, you know, do a forward fold so many times. Um, at the end of the day, it's got to take you to another level. And, you know, part of what I teach is Tantra yoga. And Tantra is the path of acceleration. It's like, you know, we want enlightenment now. We want freedom now. <laughs> we want to get live our life purpose now. That's the essence of Tantra in a nutshell. And so I want people to get there. And, and so that's kind of like another way that I'm unique as well. I mean, there's others, but that's at the top of the list. <laughs> well, love it. as, as a former dancer, I'm one of those people who can put my head to my knees and touch my toes with flat and flat hands to the floor. And yes. it does make me feel good. But so tell me how a stretching harms the body. I mean, don't people have to stretch if they want to do yoga poses, for instance, or just have to stretch? Animals stretch. Well, I, we could have a, a big discussion about that. If I if I bring my arms up to the sky and I open my chest up, for example, I lean back. Am I stretching my chest or am I engaging the muscles in my back? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's all about how you approach it, where I think where we part of there's a lot of like layers to this flipping the script. But if if I was doing that action, I would never say to my students, feel your your chest stretching deep in the stretch in your chest, feel those pe-, like because as soon as you do that, there's an instability factor. There's nothing holding the body up. What, what is actually doing the movement, if you're leaning back and you're bringing your arms out and you're, you're going into a back bend, what is actually moving the body there are the back muscles. The back muscles have to shorten in order for us to be able to do that. When you can fold forward and bring your hands to the ground, are you, you know, are you going into your flexibility, which I would probably say yes, but what is actually doing the movement are your abdominal muscles and your quads. Your quads have to shorten and your abdominal muscles have to shorten as well. So that's kind of like the angle that I come into. There's this woman in Australia, and I'm not exactly sure if she's still a dance teacher or not, but she was the... Um, uh, dance director or the, the the ballet director for the Australian, I believe it was the Australian ballet company. Uh, her name is Sue Mays. And um, and I know this because we we did research and we found out about her and we we cited one of her quotes in one of our articles and, and in the book as well. And but one of the things that she said was like she does not allow her her ballet dancers to stretch. If you're going to bring your leg up and go into a range of motion, you need to have that muscular strength. As soon as you stretch, you bypass the brain's connection to that muscle and you go further or beyond what that muscle's range of motion is. So if you just like one of the examples I like to use is if you're lying on the floor in your back. And you, your legs are straight out. You're you're completely flat, and you raise your right leg up, to, for example, towards the sky. What is doing that movement? What is lifting the leg up is the hip flexors, um, oh. the psoas, the iliacus, but also the quads. The quads are really working there, especially rectus femoris. So you, all these muscles are lifting that leg up, and the leg's only going to come so far, and so. The distance of how far it can come isn't gotten, it's got nothing to do with the hamstrings. It's all about how much the quads and the hip flexors can shorten. That's what's actually doing that movement. Now, if you, if you want more range of motion, what you need to do then is improve 
the hip flexor's ability to contract properly. If you take the leg and you bring the leg closer to you, either using your hands, uh, grabbing the leg or hands grabbing the foot or a strap grabbing the foot, you now bypass, in, in biomechanical terms, it's proprioception. So you uh-huh. bypass that proprioception the brain has to the muscle and that brain no longer knows where the muscles are in space. And so all of a sudden now those muscles lose their ability to shorten properly. And so you're like, well, that's okay because I've got flexibility. Yeah, but as soon as you stand up and say bend over to pick up your keys or you know, you're, you're doing something, you're now open and vulnerable to injury. That joint, as we were saying, is no longer stabilized anymore. So if you go into a movement... And by the way, the movement can be very simple. How many people do you know or have you heard of who sneeze and then their back gets seized up? Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> that's like yeah. a very, that's like a really weakened muscular system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want the muscles to be strong so that they're always supporting the joints of the body. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Another way of explaining it really quickly is that you can imagine that there's a a phone line between your brain and the muscles. And so when you stretch, it's the equivalency of taking a pair of garden shears to that phone line and cutting it. So that phone line, that communication system isn't there. It will be repaired. (laughs) Just have to wait for the phone company to finally get off their butts and come and repair it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's a great analogy. Is there a healthy way to stretch or do we have to just give it up entirely if we want to keep our joints and muscles healthy and free of pain too? Two words that I've kind of eliminated is the word stretching and and flexibility. And and so going back to this example, and and this is kind of like where we get into a gray area of terminologies, if you will, because Uh there is a term out there called dynamic stretching and passive stretching. So let's kind of come back to that example of me lying on my back, that if I'm lifting the leg up, okay, that is in some technical worlds or some worlds called dynamic stretching, because I'm dynamically lifting the leg up and holding it there using my muscles. Okay. So does that make sense? Like it's dynamic. And I would also add that there's accountability. Um, You've got accountability there because you're using muscles to go into a range of motion where passive stretching, where I grab the leg and bring it back, um, there's no more accountability. Like the brain just gets disconnected from the muscles. So to answer your question, um, we want to always approach things from a more dynamic perspective. We don't want to drop into our flexibility. So like with example, like Mary was just saying earlier, that she can bring her hands to the floor. If I was her teacher, I would say, Mary, keep your hands on your hips, you know, and maybe even go only, you know, 50% of your range of motion. Work more on engaging your core rather than just kind of dropping into your flexibility. So the movement's important. The activation's important where we want to always keep in mind, um, and this is kind of a big concept, but always keeping some sense of muscular accountability in our movements that we're doing. We don't want to just kind of drop into um, a pose. And it does feel good, right, Mary? (laughs) It does feel good. Yeah, I can do that too. And it does feel good, but I don't have strong hips and I don't have strong knees. Yes, Yes, and and so. it will make your knees weaker over time as well. So yeah. you've got yes. you to work on that. <laughs> yeah. We know all about that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, actually, that leads me into a question for you because so many people have problems with their backs or their hips or their knees or more. Um, can you give our audience some easy tips on perhaps an exercise that they could do? Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite ones for knees, there's a, there's actually, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two. Um, uh-huh. One of them is the one that I was just describing where you're on your back 
and you're bringing your leg up as high as you can. What I would, I would modify it. And so in muscle activation, the general rule is to do an isometric contraction um, in a specific way, of course. Um, of your leg or your stomach or your whole body? Whatever you're doing, whatever the, the, I mean, it could be as simple as bringing the arms out, like, you know, like making a T with your arms and then without moving your chest, just squeezing your arms back. Now you're engaging your middle traps and a little bit of rhomboids. So the general rule is six seconds and do it six times, hold it six seconds and, and do it six times. So the two I would recommend which probably will help people a lot with their uh, knee issues. One is the one I was just describing. You line on your back, bring your leg up. I wouldn't bring the leg up as far as you can. I would just bring it up about 30 degrees Mm. and hold it there for six seconds. Let the leg come back down. Take a deep breath because this is yoga. (laughs) Take a deep Uh breath and then do that uh, five more times for a total of six. Um, and so what, what is that doing? Well, one, so the two biggest areas of the body that are contributing to knee problems, generally speaking is the hip flexors and hip extensors. So the hip flexors, I just named a few, but one of them is the rectus femoris, which is one of the four quads. You have four quads, um, in the, uh, in, on your, the front part of your leg. And one of those is called the rectus femoris. The other ones are the vastus muscles. And the rectus femoris is an interesting muscle because it connects right at the pelvic bone and then comes comes down over the quad and wraps over the knee and connects to the tibia. Do you think that might be an important muscle? Hmm. Uh Yeah, absolutely. So when you're doing that leg raise, you're actually engaging very specifically the rectus femoris. And so you do that, you know, you can feel um, yourself getting stronger. Like when you come and stand back up, you're going to be like, oh, something feels more stable here. Like that's usually how a lot of people just describe it. Or, oh, I've got more movement all of a sudden. And this is what happens when muscles start to work. You get major muscles working. You've got more you know, movement in your body. The second, the second exercise would be like my number one go-to it. I call it this, the anti-aging pose as well is you lie on your stomach. I know I saw you guys perk up. Yeah. <laughs> oh your- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all about and that. and well, would you repeat the, what you call it for our audience? Um, the first one or the second one? This, the one you oh. just spoke of. Anti-aging. Okay. Well, the first one, I just call it um, the quad activation, you know, like lying lying on your back, lifting your leg up one leg at a time, not both, just one leg at a time, 30 degrees, hold it there, keep the legs straight. But the second one, I'm going to tell you the name in a moment, but what what is the number one thing you notice about older people? You always see, not looking at their their hip flexors are shortened. They're yeah, like shortened. And, and they're hunched over. The front, they, yeah. They yeah, they are hunched body, and sometimes that affects the way that they walk as well. So that's why I call this the anti-aging pose, because this starts to reverse that trend in a very dramatic way. I mean, when I say dramatic way, like after 30 days of doing this, you will feel like you've got a body that you've never had before. Um, I want that too. (laughs) Now. Simplest thing. You lie on your stomach and all you got to do is lift your legs and your chest up as much as you can. And and that's called, sometimes they call it Superman pose. Um, and so sometimes called other names, but let's call it Superman. That's usually what I call that particular variation. But it remember before how I told you I ended up in the surgeon's office because all of the muscles in my back were not working properly. Uh-huh. Well, this is that that pose to start getting all the muscles in your back working uh, properly. And, um, and, and as they are working, they're starting to do two things. One, they're stabilizing the joints of the spine. So you, we need to get those joints stabilized and held in place. 
And a, most chronic pain is because those mus- those bones are, are just kind of sitting there or hanging out there, pressing into nerve receptors in, in your spine. So that is what's actually creating a lot of the uh, inflammatory response. But it, this also, by lifting the legs up, you're actually getting the glutes to start working. Now, there's uh-huh. a lot of other things to do as well, but you asked me for something really simple for knee pain. So start with those two things and, and see how you're doing. Um, I only want to you tell may you have first- just cured a large portion of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, put a pin in that. I'm going to come back to that. But I'm I not actually- sure. But that we reached that many people on our podcast, but maybe. <laughs> By the time I was 30, I hung up my hiking shoes because I had such bad knees. And of course, the stretching was making it worse. I didn't realize that. But my knees pain was so intense. I remember one of the last times I went on a hike at that age, I was three days not able to walk. And so, but when I got introduced to this muscle activation stuff, I realized, hey, I can actually start doing this stuff again. And the knee pain is related to these muscles not working. And so now I not only am able to hike great distances, I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, nothing. So people can cure uh, their knee pain, but you've got to do it. It's like, this isn't a magic pill to take. I mean, it is magic. But you got to do it uh, every day. And how long do you keep the pose? And second question there, um, what if you've already been diagnosed, as a lot of people are, uh, with bone on bone? What do you do then? I mean, we've, I, I mean, I, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I have, I, I'm sure, I've never had my knee x-rayed, but I've had enough pain there to know, like deep pain. And I've also, um, Eric, he's a member, he's a doctor. He actually did this diagnostics on me. And he said, yeah, you've got bone on bone there. So, um, or definitely a lot of like very ground down cartilage, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, what I can say is I'm going to go back to my original hypo- or thesis, which is muscle stabilized joints. And so if you don't have muscle stabilizing joints, you're going to have a lot of problems. Um, and it's just going to exacerbate, you know, whatever issues. And, you know, I've had friends now and who have had hip replacement surgeries and it's kind of like a new lease on life. And I say to them, you've got to do these exercises because if you don't, these problems are going to come back on and haunt you. And now they're telling me, yeah, the doctor actually needs to pull me in and we might have to do something more there because there's already issues starting to develop. If you don't deal with the issues and the issues, again, is the muscles not working, doing their job properly, then the issues are always going to come back again and again. So I'm not, uh, you know, there's definitely some pathology, Mary, that can happen. Um, and And so... I'm not just going to say like, this is a magic bullet, but if you do have pathology, I really believe that you can turn it around with some time and patience and healing. (laughs) Well, how long do you think uh, our audience and us, of course, too, should keep the pose, uh, the pose position, six seconds, 10 seconds? No, six seconds, six times. That's the magic word. Six, six. uh, yeah, always six, six, just kind of put that into your head. And when I say six, you know, it's good to get into the habit of counting one, 1,000, two, 1,000, or you can say one Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> Those are very long seconds. Or we one won't. California, yeah. two California. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's because people can get very easy into the habit of going, okay, one, two, three, four. No, it's going to be six seconds. So that's really important and just doing it six times. One of the things I want to just stress, and I kind of alluded to this in one of the last comments, is like, I'm saying this because I could just see some of your listeners kind of going and trying this and approaching it with sort of a weekend warrior attitude. Um, And really, you've got to have patience. You've got to back off. And one of the um, axioms of a yama is less is more. 
Um, and so that's really important. I'll give you a quick example. Like I did, maybe the first day you should just do a couple, couple of um, leg lifts. Do a couple, but like I use that example yeah. of of yeah, do a couple of leg lifts. But I was also talking about Superman. Like lift your legs and your chest up as high as you can. But if you've got a lot of back pain already, just maybe lift it like a quarter of an inch off the floor. That is already going to start reconnecting and refiring those muscles. You're going to stand up feeling stronger. Then you maybe come back that day, you repeat it, or you wait till the next day and you just build up your stress tolerance level. You build up your that strength, for lack of better words, little by little, because some of our bodies just haven't been used uh, properly in a long time. A lot of those muscles have lain dormant and need to be literally kickstarted. One of the analogies Greg uses a lot is like, you know, hooking it up with battery cables and jump starting <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think people expect instant results. And of course, you've still got to strengthen it gradually. Yeah. Um, but what advice would you give to people that sit at a computer all day and find their backs hurt? I mean, Superman pose again, I, that's always my go-to pose for so many things. When you're sitting, you think about that your glutes are an elongated state, a stretched state for a long period of time. And all of your, your just think, think about the way that you guys are sitting right now. Like your lower back is in a, that C curve is not there. You know, yeah. your back is in a flexed state. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sit up straight. And, so, you know, you sit up straight, those lower back muscles now are engaging. Mm -hmm. So when we sit for a long time, we it's so imperative to um, you know move around. I actually got one of these you know fancy fancy schmancy watches, um, and oh. it's really funny because sometimes I'll feel it beeping, and I look at it, it says. You've been sitting too long. Time to get up. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's really good yeah. to have that. It's really, really great. So it's so important to get up and, and move around at the very least. But if you are sitting at a desk job, you you really need to, you know, put more more exercise or mus muscle activations in your repertoire to keep those muscles, uh -huh. you know, working. <laughs> what about tightening your glutes while you're sitting? Um, I mean, you can do that and it's fun to do. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. For I am YouTube too. channel. From for a YouTube muscle. channel, not for the people walking, <laughs> walking, listening to AirPods. But yeah. From a muscle activation perspective, though, the only way that this stuff really works is by bringing a muscle into its most contracted state. So when you're sitting, you can squeeze your glutes, which is great, but they're not contracting. They're not like being brought to a shortened state. So they're just an elongated state. And then you're like trying to work them, which is good. I mean, do that, um, especially if it feels good, but it's not going to really pay the, pay the piper, so to speak, at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, on a different note, sort of. Tell our audience about your retreat in Costa Rica called Blue Osa. How did that come about? And can anyone go or do you have to be a yoga student to go? We actually love it when we get non-yoga people come. I would say that Blue Osa is a spiritual place. Um, we, we really imbibe a sort of I want to say yoga mentality. And, and when I say yoga mentality, I don't mean like we're walking around with our feet behind our head all day long. Um, <laughs> that, but there's a certain mindfulness. And, and one of the ways that we practice mindfulness is by practicing morning silence. So we tell all of our guests, there's no talking, there's no internet until 7.30 in the morning. Um, and, and one of the complaints we often get is it's not long enough. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> but but that's just like one of the ways that we we practice mindfulness. So a well, lot it of, sounds like people must wake up very early at your place. Yeah, it, naturally. But the jungle wakes you up. The ocean, we're right on the ocean. The ocean mm. wakes you up. The howler monkeys wake you up. They make this really 
like wild sound, something from Jurassic Park. They go. (laughs) 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 So, but I found, I, I was living in New York. I started leading yoga retreats around the world. And there was a couple of things that happened simultaneously. One was I went to Costa Rica and just fell in love with the country. I was also really wanting to create yoga community and a sanctuary for people to be able to find themselves because I I think not even find themselves, get still enough to feel themselves. And I find so often that we're so busy chasing, like most of us are like the proverbial tiger continuously chasing its tail um, of happiness, which is an illusion. And in a lot of people, when I find that they get still, and it doesn't take long, like once they get still, they start to see the windows of opportunity or the doors of opportunity in their life that are opening for them. And they feel a lot more confidence and sureness to step through those doors. So for me, that's like the essence of what I wanted to create. And so... Voila, blue osa. <laughs> well, what what would a, a week look like there? I mean, what are is it all yoga or is it meditation or walking through the forest? <clears throat> it depends on like we have a lot of yoga teachers that bring their yoga students there, so we we bring in groups. We also welcome individual guests, so we have a lot of packages. So one of our packages, I think you. You ladies would love this is our spa package. Um, So it includes like a spa treatment every day. So you can have a massage or a facial or a body wrap or a body scrub. Um, So you can get like something like that. We have daily classes, which are not required. So people can come in and have a daily class. We do a nature walk in the week. We we get people, I think it's usually around five or 5.30 in the morning. Um, and we take people like on a nature walk to see the birds and the animals that are out. Um, so a lot of what we're doing is just giving people again, a disconnect from their life, from, from, um, technology, from their devices. And Bluosa really is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's easy to get there, but it, once you get there, you're like, oh my God, I'm at the end of the world. <laughs> mm. Sounds wonderful. How is it easy to get there, though? Do people take a? Is there a um, shuttle from the airport, or is there? Or do they people fly need a car? To, they fly to Costa Rica, and then from Costa Rica, they just take a little what we sometimes call a puddle jumper. Um, oh. And uh, so it's a smaller plane, like you know, twelve passenger, fourteen passenger plane, and um, and it's just a short trip, but. Costa Rica is really easy to get to. That's one of the reasons why I decided to live here. It's three hours from Dallas, more or less. It's four and a half hours, more or less, from EWR, New York. Um, Again, from LA, it's about four or five hours. So it's a really easy place to get to, um, you know, for most people living living in North America. Oh. And uh, what do you think then is the ultimate goal of yoga and how does ayama support this aim so i'm glad you asked that question it's one of my favorites um the ultimate goal of yoga is to give people the tools to manifest and live their life purpose and ayama supports that I was talking earlier about how a lot of people are in so much pain, they're not living their best life. When we're in pain, all we can think about is how do I get out of pain? And sadly, a lot of people live the last, you know, 30, 40, 50, sometimes even 60 years of their life managing their pain. And, um, and so Yama supports that because Yama is invested in helping people to become pain-free helping people to become stronger and more resilient uh, so they can go out and live their best life, whatever yeah. that is. And it's different for everybody. Part uh-huh. of my, me living my best life is living, you know, hiking in the mountains. I live for that stuff. 
Um, and so, you know, when I could start hiking again, it was like, I found like I had a new lease on life. Mm, I love that. Oh, what would you have our audience have, uh, have as their takeaway today? Um, well, they can, uh, go to my website, um, yogiaron.com. Um, there's, I have a free pain-free series, which is kind of just showing people like that simple exercise of lifting the leg up 30 degrees. So that's actually on uh, the pain-free series, one of the days. Um, another one is the shot, the Superman pose. Um, and I talk about what it is and what muscles it's, you know, affecting. Um, and so I take people through the different muscular systems of the body and show them, okay, this is what you do. And this is why uh, you can do it. And I've actually had some people like message me and go, I did this very, you know, skeptically um, because I was in a lot of pain or, you know, I've been doing yoga for so long and I've just never thought about doing anything else. And just kind of like sharing their stories about how this is really like just these simple little things start to affect people in really positive ways. Um, so they can do that. It's a, there's a lot of freebies throughout my website. <laughs> So that's, that's, go to my website. Oh, I'm going to check it out right away. Oh, I am too. And, and yeah. perhaps book a week with you over at Blue Osa. Thank you so much. That was so great and so informative. Today, our guest on Late Boomers has been Yogi Aaron, creator of the revolutionary approach to yoga called Ayama. He's also the author of Autobiography of a Naked Yogi, and the forthcoming book, Stop Stretching, A New Yogic Approach to Master Your Body and Live Pain-Free. He's a podcast host, creator of the online platform, The Yogi Club, co-owner of the Blue Osa Retreat in Costa Rica, and yoga teacher who can show you how to live the mobile, healthy, pain-free life that will keep you feeling youthful into your golden years. Thank you so much. You can reach Yogi Aaron at yogiaron.com. That's Y-O-G-I-A-A-R-O-N.com. And on all social media sites, and you can buy his books on Amazon. And we want to remind our listeners that we now have our own YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. Boom, boom, boomers. And please <laughs> subscribe to that. Also, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so that you don't miss any of our weekly episodes. Please follow us on Instagram at Late Boomers and at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. We hope that our episode today inspires you to get healthy and to live the pain free, purposeful life you deserve. Thank you so much, Yogi Aaron. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Mary and Kathy. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.